I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Worst Year Ever, we'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 Oh boy, what a great year it is. It's the best year that was ever a terrible year. That's Let's add more months. The show. More yeah. months for the year. My yep. More months for the stopped. year. Mm-hmm. I'm Let's so have sad that this year's almost mm-hmm. over. We're still Shmo- in March. Remember? <laughs> um, guys, guys, hello. Welcome back to Worst Year Ever, as we just said. And that cute, nice, smart, brilliant voice that you just heard uh, was our guest. Cody this jo- week. Oh, darn it. Come on. <laughs> Katie. Talia Jane. Hi. Yes. Hi, Talia. Hello, gorgeouses. How are how are you doing today, Talia? How are your Um, injuries? They are bruising, but the swelling has gone down. We call that progress. That is progress. Call that progress, listeners. If you're not aware, there was a rally in D.C. um, that was supportive of both the president and the concept of the coronavirus spreading unchecked. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very very big on both of those things. Uh, a lot of Proud Boys showed up. A lot of members of uh, white supremacist militias like American Guard showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they beat the shit out of a bunch of people in the streets. And one of the people that they assaulted uh, was our friend and uh, courageous freelance reporter, Talia Jane. Yeah. How are you doing, and Talia? <laughs> I'm good. I was actually, I originally was thinking that mm-hmm. uh, he must have not hit me very hard because I didn't go down. But yeah. then I was actually like looking at the injuries and like I have some stuff on my nose and like beside my nose and all this stuff was really fucked up for a couple of days. And I realized he really did hit me hard. I just yep. know how to take a punch, apparently. Well, also, there's so <laughs> much going on in that moment, I would imagine. And the shock of it, too. Yeah, I can guarantee me, your adrenaline right. was flowing kind of crazy there. I was honestly chilling. Like if you <laughs> if you look at the footage of me, I'm literally. <laughs> I'm surrounded by people brawling and I'm just kind of like like just standing and filming everything just chilling <laughs> and then this guy comes out of nowhere and nails me like right below the jaw right below my ear which is like one of the three like KO spots yep and you see me like go down and then I come back up and I'm immediately just like yo <laughs> I what mean- Girl, good job taking that. But also, as you're mm-hmm. describing this and we're laughing, that just sickened me to hear that happened to you. Like, Yeah, uh, I honestly, I didn't think that he had targeted me until I saw footage and was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Do you know what they struck you with? Because, it, I mean, he had to have at least had, I'm not sure if there was something in his hands, the video's unclear, but he had to have at least had like a ring or something on to slash your face like that. 
Yeah, there had to have been something either in his hands or on his fingers because there's there's a, a still that I saw with his hand open as he's like swatting my phone down. So I don't know that he had anything in his hand, but I couldn't clearly see if he had anything on his fingers. But yeah, I had like I have um, some puncture wounds and scratches and gashes like behind my ear and on my neck as well as the gash on my ear, which contributed to, like, the most amount of uh, the injury. I'm trying not to be too graphic because I don't want to squee out, like, anybody listening. No, it's fine. But, yeah, it seems like he either had something on his fingers or in his hand. No idea. Yeah, and I feel pretty confident saying it it seems like that dude was a likely proud boy, shall we say? Yeah, so Um, I have... I have a pretty I'm I have a pretty solid ID on him and the person that I ID'd is a proud boy and he's a member of the American Guard. He's a president of the Ohio chapter of the American Guard. Oh good. Oh. Oh, you That's got hard. hit by a real solid one. Presidents. Lucky yeah. you. And I still didn't fall, so take that fascist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Think you think you're so fucking hot? Fascists can't even knock down Talia. I mean, they're so. absolutely. Yeah. I'm five feet in tall. That. By the yeah. way, I'm yeah. five feet tall. This guy had clear space to just wail on me, and I didn't go down. Like my feet stayed where they were. Yeah, and my see, phone didn't even get the... fucked up. It like got thrown out of my hand, and it was fine. Yeah, that's why they tend to go when they commit assault. Most of them tend to go like five or so to one. Um, mm-hmm. cause they're all, yeah. they're all actually a bunch of big babies. That's, uh, that's a tactic that I noticed reviewing the footage. It was one person would start wailing on someone and then multiple people would come and surround them. Mm-hmm. And so when he punched me, um, you see people start to surround me and that's when I started getting like jostled around and they started like pulling and pushing me. And I was just like, yo, I'm press. <laughs> like, yeah. I wasn't fighting back. I was just like, what is happening? And then that's when police came through and they sort of backed off. Um, but it was definitely, it was bizarre because in the moment, I thought I had just gotten elbowed in the head really hard as people were moving past me. And that's why I was getting pushed around and shoved. And then looking at the footage, it's clear that he went after me and then they followed suit. And then they saw I was pressed and went, oh, shit. Um, so, uh, if anyone's interested in learning how the Proud Boys fight, I guess that's a pretty basic, uh, summary. They also, uh, once they got someone down, they might've like kicked them a little bit, but for the most part, they would kind of back off and move on to someone else. Like their, their goal was evidently to, um, get people down. And then once they were down, they move on. See, that's a bit different. You know, in, when we had our the big street fight in Portland where I got injured, the, mm-hmm. the ratio was the same, where they would only really charge out if they felt like they could get four or five people, you know, on each person. Um, but they did a lot of beating people on the ground. Um, that was like the, the overwhelming tactic is once they got someone on the ground, try to injure them as badly as they could before being forced back. But like the thing that is the same, I guess, is that in both cases – they they really didn't want to get into fair fights. They did not want to um, do a one on one sort of thing. Like they mm-hmm. and, and as soon as the numbers, as soon as like the people opposing them outnumbered them, um, they all huddled together in a shield line and they broke and ran as soon as you know things got scary for them. Because again, they're not like the thing that's scary about them is when they're unopposed. Like that's what actually makes them dangerous. That's why it was so frustrating to see. You know, George Takei and other liberals be like, don't come out to counter protest, you know, the MAGA march, because that's the thing that actually makes them less dangerous is having anything close to number parity or being outnumbered. Then they back the hell off because they don't want to actually have a real fight. Yeah, Um, that was that was what was probably the most discouraging is when I showed up in the afternoon, um, there were obviously thousands of MAGAs on one side and maybe 300 anti-fascists on the other. And then when they marched over to BLM Plaza, by the time, uh, like the police had, uh, split the groups up 
and mm-hmm. like the the anti-fascist groups they had uh kettled and split people up they had done a couple arrests they pepper sprayed the crowd so the numbers had thinned significantly by the time the proud boys turned that corner and saw the anti-fascists there were only ever eight shields um there was by that time i don't believe there was any bike support um there were you know medics and press and everything but i would say that probably it, we were outnumbered it was it had to have been something like 200 proud boys to like 80 anti-fascists and Oof. when i was and and to your point about like don't go and counter protest when i made the decision to go i connected with um some comrades who were who were interested and we originally were going to have something like two car full two cars full of people and um by the time it all shook out and people got really scared about you know the potential for extreme violence uh it was me and two other people wow um and apparently that had been the case uh in dc like they the, the the people on the ground there were saying we need people to come through we need people from other cities to show up and support and stand with us and people didn't oh. and it's the lesson is obviously like when they say we need everybody out that is not the time to be like oh don't fight them just ignore them they'll go away like it's some kid at school who's bullying you or whatever like these are fascists who are emboldened by a lack of uh counter protesting who when there's no one else on the ground they're like hell yeah we have the right to do whatever we want because this is our space um yeah there are a lot of valid critiques of of you know quote unquote antifa of anti-fascists of individual things that have been done by different anti-fascist collectives and individuals over the couple of years but the thing that they're absolutely objectively right about is that if you don't confront these people physically they they just hurt folks because that's yeah. what yeah. they're there to do like yeah. if you actually want there to be less violence overwhelm them in the streets and they will stop coming out and people will stop getting hurt. Even if it was just a bunch of liberals with like Biden Harris flags and pussy hats Mm -hmm. and stuff. If they had shown up and if they had held the space at BLM Plaza, when the Proud Boys and the MAGAs rolled through in their drunken like rampage, um, they it would not have gotten to the point that it was at because they would have seen a huge amount of people. And instead they saw a very small smattering of people and they were like, all right, let's fucking go. Yep. So I'm curious. You said that, you know, the police started kettling the anti-fascists and, you know, all this stuff led to dwindling numbers. But they didn't, tear gassing, they weren't doing anything for the other side? No. um, Okay. There were multiple instances in the afternoon when anti-fascists were on one side of the barricade. Um, They had a police line of... Uh, Capitol Hill police and then they had a second police line of Metropolitan Police uh, with riot shields facing the anti-fascists and not the 50,000 MAGAs leaning on the barricade and and screaming Mm -hmm. over it and then um, later that night when the Proud Boys rolled up on BLM Plaza um, there were no cops except for maybe mm-hmm. two white shirts just kind of standing by. Um, and it wasn't until the brawl had been going for a couple of minutes that bike police rolled through and established a barricade. Interesting how this point, happens. Yeah. At which point when they established a barricade, they they used the bike police to to push the Proud Boys back. And then they had riot cops come and form a line on the other side facing the smattering of anti-fascists who were on the other side and like I saw them like expanding expanding their batons like ready to crack some heads um but it was it was very weird like watching how the police moved that night it was they were splitting up anti-fascists and for being in the street allegedly for potentially uh slashing tires on a car that was parked on the street and that's when they started pepper spraying and kettling um they kept on barricading people 
on different sides of the streets from like just the anti-fascists. Um, and then once the anti-fascists met with the proud boys, they were nowhere to be found, but they had followed prior earlier in the night. They were following the anti-fascists on bikes. They had flashbangs, which I also fully just thought was fireworks. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody even noticed. They were just like, Oh, it must be fireworks. Yeah. Um, they're only startling when they're new uh, to you and they're not new to anybody at this point. Yeah. So, so it was like, they had eyes on the group the whole night. They were, they were steadily breaking up the group and thinning the numbers. They had pepper sprayed into the crowd. They arrested people. Um, and so the anti-fascist numbers had dwindled significantly. And then when the Proud Boys rolled through, the anti-fascists weren't moving. We were, we were, everyone was positioned and just kind of like hanging out at BLM Plaza. Um, so it's bizarre that the cops weren't there and that um, basically it's, it's, it's almost like they just let this happen, um, knowing that on one side was a horde of drunken um like frat openly guys. straight drinking yeah yeah with like glass bottles which they like threw mm-hmm. um uh and you know potentially apparently armed and just looking to fight and brawl um it's just it if if ever you were of the mindset that the police are neutral and that they uh you know, we'll we'll defend people against things on either side or whatever. You know, being in a situation like that where there are no cops around and they've spent the previous like the earlier parts of the day just assaulting and arresting one side while leaving the other side to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Like that that's something like that makes it so clear where the bias is and how and how evident it is that uh, the alt-right has leaned really hard into back the blue, um, almost on the expectation that if they applaud and thank cops, then those cops won't do anything when they brutalize people who are counter-protesting their bigotry. Yeah, yeah, it is That's almost exactly like that. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I, I wrote an like article that. for yeah. Bellingcat three years ago. Like the first thing I ever wrote for them was a, was was tracing <laughs> the efforts of these groups to make inroads with the police and how it had functioned and how, based on some like FOIAed information, we know that police talk about these folks and they do see them as uh, as friendlies. In fact, they were called in Kenosha armed friendlies, like the the armed uh. militiamen who showed up. Um, or sorry, no, that was uh, that was Albuquerque, Albuquerque, when that guy got shot um, by a right wing demonstrator. And, um, you know, the, the, there's been similar things said by the police of them in Portland. I think the phrasing was that they were more mainstream than the anti-fascist demonstrators. And like, it's this thing. One of the things that's really interesting about the D.C. rally is that some Proud Boys did get arrested. There were 21, I think, arrests, uh, five for gun possession. And I think four of those were right wing demonstrators. There was at least one. Uh, counter protester who was arrested with an illegal gun, but a number of folks from Georgia who were arrested with like both guns on their person and in the hotel room anyway. And there's a whole thread that I've got archived um, on, uh, geez, I think it was 4chan. Um, that's just like them being, it, or no, sorry, it was the Donald of them just enraged that cops had arrested some of them. And like, yeah, it, so it, it's funny because they, they have spent so much time like going after like police support and signaling police support and backing the blue. Um, and it has gained them obvious sympathy and obvious advantage. But whenever they get arrested for just blatantly like breaking the law in such a way that the cops have to arrest them, even though they clearly don't want to, like what happened with that guy, Alan Swinney, who waved a gun at a crowd up mm-hmm. here in Portland, like what happened with some of the folks illegally carrying guns in DC, whenever that happens, they still get so angry because they just they they don't think that they should be accountable. Like that that's why they back the blue is because they they fundamentally think that the law is a weapon they get to use on other people. Um yeah. and usually they're right in that, but they get very angry whenever 
it gets enforced against them. Yeah, I think um, it's it's useful when we look at Back the Blue that we recognize that it's not them supporting cops. It's them currying favor. They don't care about cops. They care right. about getting to do whatever they want and hoping that because they baked a cop a cake that they're not going to get held accountable for it, you know? That's exactly right. So that's fun. Yeah. Everything's great. Um... <laughs> you want to talk with us a little bit about how that rally started, like before yeah. before the fighting and stuff got started. I'm interested in, in kind of what you saw from the the pro Trump stuff. Like first off, I'm I'm wondering like what what you'd characterize as sort of the ratio of you know the extreme street brawler set to the folks who were just kind of like just Trumpy as fuck. If that makes sense. So. I was at the Supreme Court um, where anti-fascists had shown up to stage to block, to block up and kind of meet together while the uh, MAGAs were over at Freedom Plaza. Um, And so we were there and it was not that many people at first. And then um, a couple of MAGAs rolled through and then it was like, oh, like apparently they were coming to the Supreme Court to hear people speak at that location. Um, And that's when police started bringing out a barricade to block off the street, but they didn't have enough of the metal barricades to fully do it, Um, which seems like a major oversight. Um, Especially for DC police. Who yeah. have at least more experience dealing with this kind of shit than any other police department in the country. Like You'd they're think. supposed to be the yeah. best at protests. So they just like didn't have enough barricades and they had to do a, a physical wall of just plain like regular foot cops. Um and then that's when more magas came through. And I have I have footage of just seeing them turning the corner, just like this endless stream just packing in further and further um into this half a block or block space um and you can't i i couldn't really tell the difference between just regular trumpsters and like virulent racists because every the line I saw, is so thin you know the, <laughs> it's not really we're talking i saw they, yeah it's all muddy they were they were screaming over the barricade um just like hurling insults uh of all sorts of crazy shit they were <laughs> The the worst part was probably when these like thousands of MAGAs who've come from all over the country to attend this thing start chanting at the 300 local anti-fascists on a Saturday afternoon, get a job. And it's like, well, why are you here? Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I feel like you guys are the ones that should probably be getting a job because... You know, and then um, also it's Saturday. Also, it's a fucking yeah. Saturday. Um, and and it was it was a lot of people hurling insults about George Soros. Yeah, uh, uh, the yes. Proud Boys showed up. They were the ones chanting "fuck Antifa." Yeah, um, they love they love yelling that. That's their favorite yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. They think it's it really Fuck makes Antifa. people angry. <laughs> I just can't get over. Just inherently, the name anti-fascist sets so many people off. The anti-fascist. You hate the anti-fascist? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't I can't get over that. I know. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> that's the yeah. crux of all of this, isn't it? But, you know. yeah. Um, it's all branding is what it is. It's all advertising and marketing. Can you tell how, like, <laughs> drained I am dealing with this? I'm like, it's all yeah, capitalism, it's man. You seem... You're wonderful. But yes, of course, this is like a mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting experience that you just went through and you're recapping for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the the like I couldn't tell I couldn't tell the the hardline, like virulent, racist, bigoted, violent people apart from the regular magas because they were all angry and yelling the same things. Um they were all cheering when speakers would say the same hateful rhetoric. Um, and they were all, it was just like this total group thing. I think the thing that was most 
alarming was the fact that there were so many people who are so thoroughly convinced that Trump won the election. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's Mm -hmm. what's baffling is that so many people showed up. It's what's terrifying. I mean, those people all also like there's just that I'm sure everybody caught the story of the ER nurse from South Dakota who's been talking about dealing with dying people who are saying that the the Mm -hmm. COVID-19 is a hoax as it is killing them. Um, Like, yeah, there's no such thing as reality anymore Um, or or truth. Uh, There's just there's just arguments which have to end in violence because there is no way to actually arrive at a consensus of reality. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was talking to a MAGA who thought I was a friendly outside of uh, the hotel the next day. Cause I, I can pass as white trash. Um, Cause I am mm-hmm. like, I can call myself white trash. <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Cause I am baby. Um, there's like a certain smell that you get after you've lived in a trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just, it just stays with you. You get like a look in your eyes of just remembering field mice coming up through your floor, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all winter. Stepping into the shower and feeling the floor buckle under you. Yeah. Oh my Ah, God. The best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying white trash as like a derogatory term on myself. Um, but she was she was telling me that uh, quote the true people were saying that the number of people who showed up for that rally was 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Mm. Seen this from covering <laughs> from covering enough actions. I'm pretty good at counting crowd no. sizes, and I no. would estimate maybe thirty to fifty thousand. Park total, services said what eleven? Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, but in that one space, um, I I would I I couldn't guess more than 10k at SCOTUS. Yeah. But so you know, she was insisting this. She also said that Florida isn't humid because the ocean is there, and the ocean has salt, and salt dries things out. What? Uh, uh, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's a flat Earth person too. I'm gonna need to have a pause there while we explain moisture. <laughs> So that was definitely a, a conversation one. I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever been to Florida, but it is, uh, it, it it you could slice the air with a knife. Uh, <laughs> no, it's horrible. Don't ever go to Florida. <laughs> wall it off. Yeah, is my motto. Build that wall only around Florida. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like this is the type of mentality that we're looking at: is people who have been fed so much bullshit that they that their baseline ability to process information has been so thoroughly distorted that it is no longer about critical thinking it is about um like the the function has changed to uh rationalizing opinions and feelings however necessary like that's where we're at sure yeah and that's why we're in like a post-truth era well where i'm i clearly said on video and in my own tweets about like me getting attacked that i was hit and that i was mm -hmm. bashed and i originally said i don't think i was targeted and then i looked at the footage and i was like oh i was targeted and I got flooded with with people calling me a liar and a fake news and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm on record never saying that I was stabbed. Um, yeah, and I I I said stabbed at some point because it looked like you'd gotten slashed in the ear with something. And yeah, people and are being it's very understandable. About that. And people yeah. were stabbed. At, and it's and a, there were people were stabbed. Stabbed. Yeah. I mean, exactly. somebody struck um, you in the face and slashed your face open. Like I'm yeah, sorry mining. that I yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's I the was thing. actively bleeding all over my respirator and my yeah. hand and my tack vest. Like you would assume, given that information in the moment, yeah, that there's a possibility that a stab occurred yeah. because it, a sharp object is usually the thing that causes blood to come out of a person's body. And it's, you know, if they quibble over what precisely happened, then they don't have to deal with what absolutely happened, 
which is that you were assaulted right. for filming somebody. Yeah. Well, because they, they don't care about that. They they don't, it doesn't fit the narrative. Which is why my finger and knuckles hurt yeah. when it's rainy outside. I don't they, know. Yeah, assault As you're, you're talking about this in this disconnect, yeah, we don't have truth. We have yeah. people that believe... I can't even say that they believe a different set of facts. They believe well, you know, lies. Well, they believe right. fabrications. But <laughs> Katie, this... Yeah. We do have one truth. What is that? And, and only one truth. The Talk products and services us. that support this podcast. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. We're back, and I'm so sorry for interrupting you, Katie. I, I made a sacred vow on the top of Mount Korak that I would never let a perfect opportunity for an ad plug pass me by, and and so my promise to the I get gods it. I understand. had to be fulfilled. You live by so it. There's a lot that I don't understand, but I understand a sacred vow. Um, mm-hmm. I was just uh, thinking about this conversation about the the lack of of truth, a consensus of what's real and what isn't. And so much of it, (laughs) I mean, Obama wrote about this recently too, but so much of it has to do with the changing media landscape with the fact that small newspapers, that places that had, you know, independent journalists or just small newspapers that don't exist anymore, more more and more anyway, you know, and, and Fox News or OAN, those are the places that people get their information. I mean, I'm pretty sure with this point. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's Facebook. all like little blogs called like truth serum dot Reddit, go, you know, like, yeah, I mean, that's definitely like one of the most frustrating things Patriot about fact. reporting on the ground is that I will have documentation of, uh, you know, a process like a a, a a sequence of events. I have that documentation and a lot of larger media hubs, they will just come in and get whatever information is most concise. And oftentimes that's what the police claim happened. 
Mm-hmm. So, for example, there was um, in New York City, there's a weekly Stonewall March, um, and it's hosted by two trans women, um, uh, Miss uh, Queen Jean and Joelle Rivera. And um, they hold this, it's a peaceful march. But for whatever reason, um, SRG, which is Strategic Response Group, they are the ones who handle terrorism and also, for some reason, protests. Um, they came in full of their turtle gear um, on their bikes. And at one point, a cop in like ahead of the march, he like starts falling off his bike, reaches out, falls over, and it prompts all the other SRG cops to surround and start going like, hey, 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 move back, move back, like freaking the fuck out. They just start arresting random people. And then there's footage of a cop holding a chain against a man's neck. And the police released a claim that the arrests that occurred that night were because a man attempted to strangle an officer with a uh, metal chain. And all the information surrounding it is clearly the first arrest that happened is because a cop fell off his bike on his own. And none of these like major networks yep. bothered to look into that. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where it's like the information is there. I posted it. It is publicly available. That's the reason why I use Twitter to report because it's so much more accessible than if you go on Instagram or stick to Facebook or whatever it is. Like, it's so much more accessible. That information was right there. And they instead went with the police claim of something that we don't have any proof is true. Right. Well, that's part of the yeah. uh, other part of the problem, right? Where the, the institutions that we're supposed to trust uh, don't do a good job. <laughs> Yeah, so never, it's been det- never have never have exactly exactly yeah. uh and so this sort of deterioration of trust in those institutions um has led people to these other outlets and factions and 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 ways to get information that is even worse um yeah. but like it's not good all around and uh it's it's led us to here where um you have to like end up defending like garbage cnn just because uh they're not mm-hmm fucking QAnon right, or whatever yeah. like yeah but they still I mean this is the thing you saw people I think there is actually some evidence of people of people in legacy media starting to realize this because there have been a couple of articles in some larger outlets that have been like hey we can't trust the police at face value but it still has not sunk through in the way that it needs to yet um that's why yeah. it's gonna sound horrible but every time a legacy media person gets assaulted by the cops I, there's a part of me that's like, good. Like now, mm. maybe you'll will get you it. see? Like, yeah, yeah. Now you'll understand what, like, what the rest of us have been going through. Like this yeah. is what they do. Yeah, um, I've noticed. I've noticed that media has started showing up to actions because they've routinely asked for my footage for free, and I've been like, uh, no. I actually had mm-hmm. uh, someone at the New York Times message me and say like asked to use my footage and said, I understand if you're a professional journalist, just thought I'd ask. And I was like, if, <laughs> if, like, right. yeah. excuse me. And then I was like, yeah, no, I, I can license the footage for a fee. And she goes, okay, never mind. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah. And so they've started showing up to these actions and, because they haven't spent any time developing any sort of awareness on the environment that they're reporting on, they just go with what they think is correct. And uh, the easiest uh, place to get information is from the cops. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's troubling because it's like, I've been doing this work and now you're coming in to do the work I've been doing worse by a lot. They there's an article in the L.A. Times that just dropped like two days ago that was based on their I think their Seattle bureau head going to Portland for like two days and attending one rally and talking to four black people and then saying the black community has issues with the anarchists. And I was like, you talk to four black people. You talk to the four black people who when you type in Mm. black Portland activists were the first ones to come up. That's what you did. You didn't actually try to meet any like. 
Which is like not to say that there aren't a bunch of black people who have issues with like what di- like you know far left protesters have done in Portland, but like claiming that sure, that's the but that doesn't mean that you yeah because you googled for black people. It's like a, um, <laughs> it's like that that guy that got interviewed. He was like the basis for that article about uh, embedding with Antifa. Oh yeah, and how they're they're uh, insurgent whatever insurgent anarchist is like. Any good anti-fascist, any good anarchist would not have let you roll with them because they have good – they have way better OPSEC than that. You were rolling with a bunch of 12-year-olds wearing black hoodies. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And you you decided that everyone breaking a window was an insurgent anarchist, mm-hmm. which right. there's a lot of anarchists who will break windows, but you didn't do the legwork. It, it's, this, it's this eternally frustrating thing about – the legacy media where number it, it, it's the Jake Tapper problem. That's what I call it, where you are required to have a take on everything, but also you can't possibly be competent on more than one or two of the 40 to 50 things you have a take on every week. Yeah. And so most of your takes are shit because there's a, you're just going to be bad. And everyone does this to some extent, but if you're not the headlining CNN dude or like, you know, someone who has a, a weekly piece for the New York Times, the damage you can do is minimal. And I'm not shitting on the New York Times because uh, Charlie Warzel, one of their opinion art writers at large, is actually one of like seven reasonable people left in the United States. But as a rule, one of the problems is you have to have a take and you, you're just not going to have good ones most of the time. You're going to be like Jake Tapper getting tracked, like tricked by Andy No. Because you watched a 30-second video and assume you understand a four-year-long running street battle. Mm-hmm. Right, and it, it legitimizes uh, all those terrible opinions and uninformed opinions because he's the man in, uh, in the suit on the TV. He's, mm-hmm. the, ser- he's the serious guy, uh, so you have to trust what he says. I hate it. It's not great. I hate, you know, I feel like, I hate I feel Obama, like... too, because of, you know, a oh, number sure. of things. But I love oh, the phrase Evans he's using going it. full grandpa. <laughs> Let me tell you why I don't like Obama. <laughs> First off, Kenya. No, no, no. Oh, um, shit. In, in that interview that you cited earlier where he talks about kind of like the truth cry, he, the, the phrase he uses to describe our problems with the lack of any sort of accepted understanding of reality is an epistemological crisis. Um, and I love that phrasing because that's what it is. You have this... You you have like the collapse of truth in our society is not all that different from the foundation of a building falling in, and it has the same impact on everything. Um, and there are a lot of people who think that they can fix the crisis of truth by talking to the liars and getting their perspective. Um, yeah, it's the people who believe in a marketplace of ideas, which has never existed and never will exist. It's the dumbest concept anyone ever came up with. There's no marketplace of ideas. Mm-hmm. There's people who are lying. There's people who know that they're lying and are lying. There's people who don't know that they're lying and are lying. And then there's the truth. It's people who pay other people to lie for yeah. them. It's people who make money from lying. Uh, I, th- I and- feel like the what we're concluding on here is that uh, Evans, you and I are the only frontline journalists out there who uh, are doing anything good, mm-hmm. and we should get millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, uh, the Jake Tappers of the world are the ones taking our money to say stupid shit, and <sighs> we should riot against them. You should host the lead with yeah. Jake Tapper. You should it's frustrating. Also, Keep, our the listeners... Keep the name. Yeah, with the name. With yeah, the yeah, name. Yeah. Our... Yeah. Our Hi, listeners Holly, should check out here. your Patreon is what they should also yeah. do. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, I just think that that's such a cool thing. That mm-hmm. so, I mean, Patreon has been transformative for Cody and I uh, in doing our, our business outside of this show. Um, and for so many people, you know, like crowdsourcing of money <laughs> that to support the people that you believe in that's doing work that mm-hmm. you you care yeah, about. Yeah, I mean there's so much especially in media but in a lot of industries there's so much gatekeeping. Yeah. Um where if I am trying to cover something or write about something, I either need to do it at a loss um with like a lot of um energy and time and money spent on my end knowing that all I'm getting is exposure right. or um, 
I am getting overwhelmed with like the amount of work that I have to do to justify like a semi reasonable amount of income. Um, mm-hmm. And so something like Patreon allows for like people call me, they, they say that I'm not a real journalist because I have a Patreon and I'm like, no, I am like you Google me. Um, yeah. But yeah. it's because I'm crowdfunding to do the work. Um, so that way then I can do the work that I feel needs to be done. Like I trust my intuition and my ability to recognize where the story is Mm -hmm. and what the story is and my ability to vet out information. Um, like I trust myself in that respect as a journalist and, um, you know, the evidence bears that out. Like I'm actually kind of good at this. Um, (laughs) And it like I'm not going to be wasting my time trying to suck up to editors or, uh, you know, applying for jobs and doing really intensive edit tests that don't pan out um, when I can be on the ground doing the fucking work and, uh, you know, getting that done as it's happening. Like, it, it yeah. just doesn't make sense to me to to be prevented from the work because of the barriers created by the industry when i can just skip all that yeah people i i'm gonna probably piss off some of like my legacy journalist listeners who say this but like i've never understood giving a fuck about a cv or a resume for a journalist the only thing you need is a resume is a list of here's shit that i wrote here's things that i did Mm -hmm. here's stories that i got like that's like I've hired journalists before and i'm currently in the process of hiring journalists and the only thing that i look at is like well what'd you do what'd you do and that's not really what a resume is. A resume is like how you frame your education and history and background. And like mm. the only thing that matters in terms of like whether or not a journalist is a real journalist is have they done real fucking journalism? Right. What's you know? the work, not what's the masthead? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So give give Talia money. So, is yeah, tell, tell us where we're shaking out on this. Tell us where uh, yeah, people can find your Patreon and find you online and all that. Uh, patreon.com slash Talia Jane and then um, Twitter in it's a underscore Talia you can also just search the words Talia and the word Jane and it, I will probably come up in that um, got some good fleets hopefully. you guys you got oh, some good fleets I still haven't gotten fleets tweets on fleets uh, tweets on fleets look I want to I have something something I want to read y'all and then get people's thoughts on that kind of goes back to the um what we've been talking about vis-a-vis uh, uh, Nazis and fascists and confronting them or not confronting them and why it was such a bad thing for certain people to have uh, said like, hey, don't don't go after these folks. Um, don't march and confront them. Uh, but before we do that, you know who loves confronting Nazis? Uh, Squarespace. Blue Apron. Yes, <laughs> Blue Apron cannot be stopped from crushing Nazi skulls um, to, to the fact that it's actually caused something of a problem for them. And they're, they're buried <laughs> in lawsuits. Yeah. A lot, lot of legal issues there. A lot of legal litigation issues, flying actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a complicated matter. Um, Sophie, can we say that? <laughs> Sophie's nodding Sophie's yes. Saying that's, yes. That's a Sophie's yes. Saying, Excellent. Yeah, we can, we can, yes. yeah. Can we say the truth? Good. <laughs> The truth about Blue Apron cracking the skulls of skinheads, mm-hmm. sh- rolling up on some boneheads and exposing the bone in their heads using a length of pipe. Blue Apron, fuck the Nazis. <laughs> Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back, and we're really hoping Blue Apron gives us some money at some point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, they're going to win all their losses. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, so this is actually something I came across in January of 2017. I almost I was planning on including it in an article I was writing for Cracked, but it never, never quite shook out the way I wanted it to, uh, and then we all got fired. But it's a quote from a guy who's a friend of mine on Twitter. Pucket101 uh, is the name on Twitter, and he's an old punk dude. I've actually chatted with him a couple of times over the phone, too. And um, his, his, he tells a story here about his youth in the punk hardcore scene that I think is very emblematic of a truth about Nazis uh, and important for people to hear. Uh, yeah, if you were, here's Puckett. If you were part of uh, any punk hardcore scene in the 80s and 90s, you probably laid hands on a Nazi skinhead at least once. Uh, if you were in punk hardcore at the time, you probably saw Nazi skins show up and push people around. You may have seen a show or even a venue get shut down because of it. One of my favorite bars refrained from telling a Nazi skin to leave because he said he just wanted one beer and would be on his way. That ended with hiring active duty and retired servicemen as security, specifically to send them on their way. It culminated with about 20 Nazi skins attacking the bar in a massive brawl. There were numerous fights along the way. There was a good chunk of my life when I think everyone I knew had put hands on a Nazi. And here's why. It was never just one Nazi skin. One became six, became 20. Nazi skins showed up, pushed people around, took over the venue, and turned everything to shit with bullying, abuse, and their sig heiling. And that's... Kind of the uh, kind of the story he's pointing out, and there's actually a few people in his comments who came up with similar stories of the punk scene. That like, if you had a punk bar, it would start with one guy with some Nazi patches showing up, and he would just want to drink and be a reasonable guy and say, "Look, you know, like, can I not drink here? Is this bar not for everybody? All I want is a beer." Yeah. yeah, and then he comes back with a friend. And then he comes back with four friends. And then they're and then beating the shit Nazi out of everyone bar. at the bar who's not a right. Nazi. And that's how Nazis work. And it does. it's not just confined to the punk hardcore scene. It's c- c- confined to, say, downtown Washington, D.C. <laughs> like, mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen at protests, you know, whether it's whether it's Proud Boys or the police. Um, the police have cracked down harder on small... Um, like peaceful uh, marches in the city where it's, you know, maybe 20 or 30 people uh, than they did, you know, so we had this massive action for Breonna Taylor that had something like two or 3000 people and the cops just let it happen. They did Mm -hmm. not bother anybody because they recognized that they were actually outnumbered. Um, But then more recently there was an action um, to discuss like femicide and um, uh, a lot of things. It was after, it was the day after, doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, we had a ton of people who showed up to Washington Square Park to party. Um, this was the day after cops had rushed the park when there was a smattering of people in it after midnight and brutally arrested two people. Um, and then the day after that, it was like, all right, let's see if they try it. Like if they try and close the park again with all these people here and they didn't do it. It's Mm -hmm. when you're not showing up, like you don't need to be frontline to show up. You just need to have your physical body taking Mm -hmm. up space to protect the other people who are frontline, who are ready to get their shit rocked. It's just, it's incredibly frustrating that time and again, we see this same thing play out and the same conclusion made and people still find ways to rationalize staying home and donating to act blue links as a justifiable alternative when it's not. It's, a situation where, like, the, the way it actually works is if you have enough people showing up, if you have thousands of people showing up, you only need 100 to 200 frontliners if you've got 3,000 people showing up to back them up. Because all the frontliners need to do is present a visible deterrent while the crowd presents evidence that, like, these people can't be pushed around. And the cops will stay away and the fash will run away. And that's how it works. You need the numbers. And part of living in a society, people are scared about fascism now, right? They're scared because of the shit the president's saying, the shit that Lindsey Graham's saying about throwing out votes. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, that is that is fashy as hell. That's fascism. It's scary. The way to fight it, like voting is the teeniest, teeniest, teeniest chunk of fighting it. The way to fight it is to show up in the street and let those people know they aren't welcome. And if enough of you show up, you don't even have to beat them to death. But if not enough people show up, then you might have to beat them to death. Well, it's hard because I've heard people say like, well, if you don't, if nobody's there, then there's not going to be a fight. Just let them get it out of their system, their their day. But then you're not showing up and saying, no, that I do not support this. You're not saying this will not stand. It becomes something that is more normalized. Yeah, let's people people who are watching know that they show up. up. If there's no one showing up, they will just attack someone walking their dog down the street. Like because, what happened in New York when those five Proud Boys got arrested, or however yeah, they're, many they're, it was, they're, nine. They're showing up with the intent of committing violence and like feeling powerful. So whether yeah. or not you, as a person who knows how to throw a punch and has a shield and is ready to go, whether or not you are there, they will still do that. It's a matter of whether they're going to do it with someone ready to fight back or someone who's just walking down the street. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Plus... It also the the idea of um, people showing up to show that like this shit won't be tolerated. That also blends into why um, anarchists go around and smash windows. It's mm-hmm. not because they hate windows. Um, windows ninety five was incredible. We love windows. <laughs> um, it's because it's it's vocalizing frustration and also showing. That the people will lash out when things are bad. We will not take it lying down. And that goes towards fascists. That goes towards the police state. That goes towards capitalism, um, capitalist white supremacy, like the system at large. Like all like, you know, if, you, if you're going to put down uh, looting and, and burning things down um, and also refusing to show up for peaceful protests you are not for the movement, you are not in the movement, and you have no interest in helping to defend against the fascist terrorist threat that we are very much in the middle of. Yep. Patreon.com slash Talia Jane. Give, give Talia your money, um, please. Yeah, and, please uh, do that. Support oh, sh- shoot, your, shoot your cash app or your, your PayPal in here too, Talia. Um, sometimes people just want to throw you bucks, but don't like yeah. to use Patreon because mm-hmm. they're an arm of the CIA. That's um, my conspiracy theory. Patreon mm. is the CIA. <laughs> I'm pretty sure PayPal is just paypal.me slash Talia Jane, Cash App and Venmo or just Talia Jane. Um, pretty pretty easy. I got I got all those handles early on. Mm-hmm. Send um, Talia money and show up to yell at Nazis and also cops in the street. Mm. Um, you don't have to break any laws. All you have to yeah. do is be there and be angry. And we're all angry, right? Wear a jacket. It's fine. 
And a mask. Wear a jacket yeah. and a mask. Yeah. Yeah. And a mask. Wear a mask. Wear sure. a mask. A mask. Yeah. This actually, yeah. maybe two masks. Things are getting very bad. Double that um, shit up. I'd, yeah. or I'd recommend some gloves maybe and like yeah. um, safety a, a goggles. face shield of some sort too. Face a helmet. And a mask. And a full Slather yourself in hand sanitizer. We're going to yeah. go biohazard block on this Tyvex, shit. baby. Tyvex block. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just like a big garbage bag. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. And, thank um, you guys so much for, all for having doing. me. Yeah. And you guys too. This is awesome, and I love all of you. And I'm glad that we got to have this cute little baby reunion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was nice. All right. We all used um, to work together at a website you might have heard of. Funnier that we die. Won't match com. It. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that's it. That's where it was. We all worked. They at the died. New York Times it wasn't together. Funny. Yeah. Humor, Humorfolks.net. The failing New York Times. Yeah. Uh, cheeseburger dot com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simpler times. I'm done recording. I'm, I'm Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.